This reading is from Jeremiah 31, 27 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seeds of humans and the seeds of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Our second scripture reading today comes from the letter of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. Listen now to God's word that is to us and for us. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
I vividly remember a book from my childhood titled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I'm hoping some of you all are familiar with this book too. I see some nods and smiles. This book was a staple in my home growing up. I have memories of it sitting prominently on the bookshelf of my childhood home, and my mom often likes to remind me of a picture she has with me as a preschooler cuddled up in a chair in our living room with this book about kindergarten resting nearby. What can I say? I've always liked to be prepared. Robert Fulgham is the author of this classic best-selling book, and in it he shares short reflections about life, the people, places, and things that fill our lives, as well as the experiences that make up our lives. At the very beginning of this book, he writes this, all I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. The origins of this book are rooted in a personal goal for Fulgham. Each spring, he would write out a belief statement, his own credo. One year, as he was reflecting on what to write, he realized that he often found himself overthinking and overstating and overcomplicating his core thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And so, he went back to the basics. And reflecting on what he remembers from his childhood, he wrote this statement. These are some of the things I've learned. Share everything, play fair, don't hit people. Put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat, flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life, learn some and think some, and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work some every day. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands and stick together. Wonder. Fulgham doesn't describe these things in his credo as simple necessarily, but instead he classifies them as elemental. These foundational ideas found in Fulgham's writing take us back to our own childhoods. He takes us back to the basics. The author of this letter we find in 2 Timothy takes us back to the basics too. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, the author writes, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The author of this letter is writing in a time of deep distress and consuming crisis. False teachers were rampant and threats of heresy and persecution were imminent. And 
in the midst of such despair and uncertainty, the author sends words of encouragement to Timothy to trust in and believe in and be comforted by the scripture texts. I trust and believe and am comforted by the idea that these words are words of encouragement for us too. Scripture is a gift from God, and it can provide comfort in times of fear, hope in times of despair, and encouragement in times of uncertainty. So if we took some time to pause and use Fulgham's work as an inspiration, I wonder this, what are your Bible basics? What are the texts you remember from your childhood or texts you've recently discovered that remind you of who you are and whose you are? What are your go-to foundational elemental beliefs that you fall back on when times are favorable and when they are not? Scripture comforted Timothy, I would hope, and it's my hope that Scripture comforts us too. Scripture is indeed a gift from God and is to be used for the practical life of God's people, the lives of people throughout time and space. In this text in 2 Timothy, we also read that Scripture is inspired by God. God-inspired can also be translated and interpreted as God-breathed. Just as God breathed into the text, God breathes into each of us. Scripture is a living word for a living people, a living people created and called to live together. The book, All I Really Need to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten, offers some more wisdom about living together and the importance of community. There's another thing not everyone figures out right away, Fulgham writes. It is almost impossible to go through life all alone. We need to find our support group, family, friends, companion, therapy gatherings, team, church, or whatever. The kindergarten admonition applies as long as we live. When you go out into the world, hold hands and stick together. It's dangerous out there, lonely too. Everyone needs someone. Some assembly is always required. Like Fulgham, the author of this letter in 2 Timothy understands the importance of community too. Earlier in the letter, Timothy's mother and grandmother are mentioned as foundational people in his life and faith journey. The author writes to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first was lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. The simple practice of letter writing also connects Timothy to the author. Scripture connects us to the people who teach us today and to our ancestors and the faith who continue to teach us through their legacy and the lessons they once taught and wrote. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, the author writes. 
knowing from whom you learned it, the author adds. Our faith tradition, rooted in Reformed beliefs, teaches us that scripture is important. And remembering who the people are who taught us and nurtured us and guided us and journeyed with us is important too. Some scholars argue that the whom we read in this text is plural in the Greek. This serves to me as an encouragement for us to remember and give thanks for all the people who have taught us God's holy word, reminded us of God's presence, and encouraged us with God's promises. Our family members, friends, colleagues, classmates, Sunday school teachers, coaches, confirmation mentors, school teachers, and I hope Christian educators and pastors too, just to name a few. The people who have taught you and listened to you, loved you and affirmed you, held your questions with care, encouraged you to wonder, reminded you of your belovedness, helped you discern, journeyed alongside you when times were favorable and when they were not. If we have the chance, may we be inspired to thank these people while we can. If these people have gone before us to join the saints in heaven, may we thank God for their lives well lived. May we feel connected to them all the same. Scripture connected Timothy, I would hope, and it's my hope that scripture connects us to being connected to others in the faith reminds us that we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. This assurance is life-giving in a world that often leads us away from the truth, causes us to wander away to myths, and provokes us to listen to things that only we want to hear. In a world of voices that claim to be true and authentic, one commentator reminds us that authentic authority comes from the experience and the insights of those who have lived their faith and shared it with the church. Assembling our communities together and sharing our faith with others also leads us into closer, fuller, and deeper communion with God, the God who works with and in and through the basics, water, wine, bread, basic people like you and me, the God who works among and around and within all of us and all of creation, the God who reminds us that our calling to love and serve is not necessarily simple, yet it is elemental. This text moves us from a place of reflection to a call to action. God speaks to us through scripture and through people and calls us to share God's truth. Fulgham recognizes the challenges of sharing and living the truth. He writes, I realized that I already know most of what's necessary to live a meaningful life. It isn't really all that complicated. I know it, and I have known it for a very long time. Living it, well, that's another matter, yes? 
living out God's call is not always as simple as we might hope it would be. At the end of this selection of texts today, Timothy is encouraged to carry out his ministry fully. And I also think that is a call to us, too. Through the practice of reflecting on what we believe and remembering who has journeyed alongside each of us, we are able to discern how to live out our ministries fully. Responding to God's call can be a challenge. Yet through the comfort of scripture and the abiding presence of the communities that connect us, we respond, trusting in God's presence and God's promises. Scripture challenged Timothy, I would hope, and it is my hope that scripture challenges us too. It is my hope that every time we encounter and engage with this comforting, connecting, challenging text throughout different times of our lives and with different communities, we will be changed. This living word speaks to us over and over and over again, reminding us of God's presence and God's promises. That, my friends, is the good news. May we now be encouraged to share this truth with a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Amen. <laughs>